0: This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become.
1: Here's your host, Brian Barney.
0: Hey, what's going on, guys? got a brand new Eastman's elevated for you. So on today's podcast I have on a couple of the guys from Stone Glacier. I have on Kurt Roscoe, which is the founder of Stone Glacier. Uh, now he's head of design and he's a an absolute go-getter. He's a mountain hunter and um, hunts a bunch of the high elevation stuff as well as backcountry elk and deer and we get to talk to him about it today. It made for a great conversation. We also had Lyle Hebel on which I really like Lyle. I've known him for a few years. He's a go-getter as well. He's just getting back from a spring black bear hunt on Prince of Wales. Uh, He tells some awesome stories and and talks about the adventure which um, also added to the conversation. So uh, really happy to sit down with these guys. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I think you guys will too. I want to thank our sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Stone Glacier. Uh, Stone Glacier has been a huge supporter of Eastman's Elevated, and I really appreciate it because their gear matches my style of hunting perfectly. Uh, I love using their sleep systems and their tents. Uh, I really like their Sky Air uh, which I talk about in today's podcast. It's a modular system, a bivy tent, super lightweight, and it just fits me right for a lot of my August and September hunts and even into October. Uh, then I go to using their single-man tent, which is a bomb-proof four-season tent with tie-downs. Uh, it, can sur- it can go through any kind of weather and um, going to keep you safe and warm. And Also, they have a, a two-person tent as well, all of them are light designs, but just great shelters. Uh, they're tents, you can sit up in them, you can get changed, and um, uh, just a bunch of features with the vestibules to be able to keep your gear dry, and uh, just a, a, a really well thought out design on all their tents. They also have great sleeping bags. So I tend to use the 15 degree the most, as that's my go-to. They also have a zero degree for cold weather, and they have a 30 degree quilt. Uh, So that 30-degree quilt, we talk about it in today's podcast, how you can bring down the temp rating by wearing your puffy pants, puffy jacket, uh, how it's really small in size, and then also super lightweight. So a bunch of good backpacking knowledge in today's podcast. But thanks a bunch to Stone Glacier for their support. We really appreciate it. I also want to thank Forever Barnwood. Uh, So Forever Barnwood is a company that makes new pine look like old barn wood. And so they have this process where they impregnate the wood, which makes it look like this... Uh, grayish-brown color, just like it would on an old 100-year-old barn. And they actually have finishes on the outside, so you can get a circle sawn finish, which is what I used in my house, or they have the old weathered 100-year-old look uh, where the, the grain's a bit indented in. Uh, it's just a really good old look, and it's just a, a great product to use in these Western homes uh, as, as well as any contemporary home as well. Uh, they just add great highlights and in my house, I used the base and case trim. The custom doors are outstanding. Like, they're less than an alder door, and they're absolutely one of a kind. Uh, I also used their box beams to make, like, this facade beams in my main great room, which really set it off in there. And... Um, also, their shiplap I used on the back of the bar, and I also used some of their posts as well. Uh, they have a bunch of products. They also have a floor that looks outstanding. Uh, they have siding that they're producing. They, you can build cabinets out of them. Like Pretty much anything you can dream up, they can mill for you. Uh, they'll ship anywhere in the United States. It's a great price point. Uh, so if you're building a new house or a builder, make sure to go check them out. Uh, they're just great for any product you have or any, um, uh, any project that you have that you're doing, whether you're finishing a basement like a Wayne's coat, or uh, they look great on ceilings. They have a good shiplap that looks good on those. So just a ton of products, a great company. So if you're in the market for any lumber, make sure to go check them out at foreverbarnwood.com. I also want to thank Black Ovis. So Black Ovis is an internet retail shop. Um, Man, they're producing great gear. I had a a buddy out bear hunting, um, had Clint out bear hunting here to the house. Uh, Him and Dan were down and... um, I mean, Clint's using a lot of that Black Ovis gear, the pants, and then he had the, the overshirt and just looked like a great quality product. So you can check out their own name brand as well as all the top name brands. Uh, they have great pricing, great shipping, and you can save 10% on your order. So if you're in the market for some new gear, make sure to check these guys out. Put in the code Elevated10 and you'll save 10% on their gear, which is a big savings uh also want to mention camo fire so camo is the app with all those hunting deals that come up every 24 hours it's an app that you can download to your phone and then they pop up and you can save some money on some quality gear Uh, you can check out everything we're doing at eastman's of course check out that new podcast dan picar and i are doing it's on a different feed it's called eastman's bow hunting journal life of a bow hunter Um, So you can search that and find that anywhere where you're listening to podcasts. Uh, Great episodes. I think we're six episodes in and uh, really having fun with that one. So make sure to go check it out. Podcasts on gear, podcasts, uh, definitely able to dive a little further in depth in archery. Uh, Last week we talked about arrow setups a bit. So some, some good subject matter there as we're coming into season. So check that out. Uh, check out the the mule deer course. Uh, you can save ten percent by putting in the promo code Brian MDC and. Um also check out Eastman's Tag Hub or Internet Research Tool, which we're revamping uh, with a, a mapping software program. It's a great program, and you can also get a free subscription to Mountain Tough Fitness on it. Uh, just put in the promo code Brian, and you'll get the um, Eastman's Tag Hub and MDC. And I believe there's some, like some bundles too that you can check out on Eastman's with the the magazines and uh, the Mule Deer Course or Eastman's Tag Hub, whatever you're interested in. So you can check out those bundles as well. And man, with that, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. Uh, Kurt and Lyle from Stone Glacier. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. It's like
2: you're in an airplane. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, right? Yeah,
0: it is in the airplane. Yeah. Well, yeah, lucky enough to sit down with Curtin and Lyle here from Stone Glacier. Man, congratulations being in the new shop. Looks awesome. Well, thank you.
2: Yeah, we're excited to be in here. It's been we're rolling up, I think, close to a year now. We're just yep. a touch over, which is great.
0: Yeah, it looks like um, everything's organized or has its spot. Tons of gear back in the warehouse in here. Yeah, you guys are um, running off all cylinders. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's been really nice to to get into a spot where everybody has their own space. Um, it's designed for our business, and I, I think it's just made a big difference for everybody here too, as far as
2: yeah we we always joke because there's um there's so much stuff out there that you saw coming in all those boxes uh most of that was in our old space which was like a third of the size so we don't even know really how we operated <laughs> out <of that. laughs> yeah so, organized chaos oh uh, huh? man it was like you would move boxes <laughs> to move boxes to move boxes it felt like at the old one but yep. yeah it's nice like kurt said everybody's got a a, a space to work in which mm-hmm. is great
0: yeah well it's so cool i um I, I really like what you've created. Like I like, uh, uh, all these employees that you guys have are the real deal out working hard doing the same stuff that I'm doing, doing the same stuff my listeners are doing. And so like, uh, I'm really happy to get the opportunity to be able to meet and sit down with Kurt. And I've, I've talked to you Lyle a handful of times, but, um, Kurt, it's like uh, I'm so impressed by your offerings of gear. It's so nice to have the the technical mountaineering gear. And, um, man, it just um, – sometimes I feel like you're building the gear for me specifically myself, just <laughs> being so uh, such a minimalist setup and then so lightweight. Uh, so, first of all, just great job with the gear and the company, man. It's absolutely amazing.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's due to um, – how hard you hunt, and the needs that you had in the industry. Uh, I know you love to mountain hunt, love to hunt these extreme places. Uh, is that where it started?
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, that that's exactly where it started. It um, started with backpacks, but then, as you well know, when you spend enough time in those situations or you spend time being miserable, you start coming up with other ways to try not to be miserable. So whether it's being cold or being wet or... Something that just works inefficiently. So I think just time in the mountains and and really for all all of our employees is kind of how a lot of those ideas come from is you get that much time and you start coming up with better ways to do things.
0: Yeah, what a great think tank to have so many – a uh, uh, good hardcore hunters that work in the office, uh, you probably get too much feedback at times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no comment. No, yeah, I'm yeah. We, yeah. No,
1: it's good. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. get a
2: lot of feedback and I'm sure uh, we'll come back from a trip and come in with our list of Kurt straight away and be like, Hey man, this is what we saw out there. This was working. This wasn't or whatever. And, uh, the the funny thing we talk about this all the time is people think that it's easy to make changes but you know most of the time we're designing products 3 4 years out so to go back and update something or change something you know it doesn't happen as fast as everybody thinks it needs to but um it takes a while with manufacturing to get it all in but yeah we always are you know, kind of leaning on Kurt and picking his brain. So I'm sure he goes home and just shakes his head. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: there's so much in the the R&D into these products. And you can have the best laid out plan for a piece of gear. But really, until you get it out in the mountains and you start using it, that's where you see, you know, where it lacks or where you could have something in a different position. That's where you really learn about the gear. But you can't learn that in a showroom floor or out in your backyard. Like, you learn that in the mountains. And so... That feedback's probably crucial and critical to the design of your gear and functioning correctly.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and the other thing that you find is different, different types of gear take different time frames to bring it to that point. And it, at some point, you have to say, this is where we want the product to be, that you bring it to market. Because there's always something that you can improve or spend more time on. But it's that time, like you said actually be in use so you can see failure points, you can see things that you can't test in a lab, things mm-hmm. that, that that lab equipment can't tell you, or abrasion resistance, all those things. Just use. That's the only way.
0: Well, and it is a give and take with gear, right? It's you can't have the best of all worlds, it just doesn't work that way. It's a give take. Like you can't have a super durable piece of gear and then also have it lightweight. Like you've got to find a happy medium with this gear that's going to fit the majority of hunters. And so ultimately, like you have to make a final decision on things like go, no, this is the weight that we want it. This is the durability that we want it. This is going to hold up and function for the majority of hunters out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then communicating that because being able to give the mindset behind the specific piece, when you bring it to market, then that hunter, like you can look at that and say, yes, I could buy something. I could, I can have rain gear that weighs twice as much that's non-permeable. Is it going to function the same way that I need it to at high elevations, high exertion. And so now you can kind of start to balance when, when, when you can really bring those feature sets to the customer.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Like, um, it's probably, like, a big part of your guys' job is also to educate uh, your audience and um, uh, the people that are buying your gear what the use is for that gear.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time and effort just doing that, building content, excuse me, specifically around, like, yeah, what's the end use? How do you use it? How do you clean it? You know, how do you repair it? Those types of things. But, yeah, at the end of the day, like... All this stuff is technical gear and there's some type of learning curve mm-hmm. to it and so for us we, yeah we spend a lot of effort teaching our consumers how to use the gear and how it's going to benefit them but yeah most of the time we design things and if you don't really you know dig into why we did it this way people just instantly have assumptions that, oh, maybe it's not for them or it's not right. But if you educate them just a little bit, they start to see what you saw. And then overall, they just have a, a generally better experience, I think, in, uh, when it comes to like, actually using the products. And at the end, they're happy with their purchase, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we want is for people to be satisfied with the product.
0: Well, um, it works well because you've got like some of the best content creators around the office that um, it's, it's like we're such visual learners too. So, when you can get Zach carrying a camera and then loading up a bull elk on his pack and like also like you say the education is such a huge part of it like if you don't know how to use the gear correctly it's not going to operate correctly for you so you know you take a pack for instance it's like you could have the best pack in the world but if you don't adjust it to fit your frame it's not going to do you much good you know and so it is like this this combination of, of like education and the best gear that you can make. Yeah. That makes sense. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. We talk, we talk about that learning curve, right? Like you wouldn't
2: buy a bow or a rifle and take it out that sh- first day and go hunting. You're going to take it to the range, side it in, spend some time with it, maybe develop a load for it, right? Build arrows. Like you're going to do all these things with that, that weapon. Why aren't you doing the same thing with your tent, backpack, sleeping bag, all these different pieces mm-hmm. of gear. Like you should know them in and out before you go use them. Cause it just enhances your experience mm-hmm. while you're out there
0: no, that wouldn't be any fun. I like setting them up in the dark (laughs) when I've never seen the thing, you know, trying to figure it out as I go. Yeah. 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 But, and that's like that, um, you know, you guys have a bunch of great tents that I absolutely love, but they all have different uses too. It's like, um, to be able to pick and choose the right shelter for the right hunt is crucial as well. If you make the wrong gear choices, uh, on said hunt, like you could be miserable even having that gear. So it's like being set up for the hunt that you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, So why that like Sky Air? like it's a a modular system. It's a bivvy tent, which I've been using bivvy tents for the last 20 years because they're so lightweight. Now they're a single wall design. Mm -hmm. You have to set them up with a trekking pole or a stick. And so like you've also, there's a learning curve there of getting them set up correctly, you know, making sure that everything's taunt, making sure that rain when it comes off the fly isn't going to come inside the tent. So there is such a learning curve with it, but once you get good at it, you've Got a bomb-proof shelter for a pound and a half. Do you guys use that Sky Air quite a bit as well?
1: I use the Solus more than anything. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do, and um, and and I think it, it's just primarily based around the type of hunts that I'm doing mm-hmm. earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those are at ten to twelve thousand feet, and and with with very little shelter. Mm-hmm. So being able to buck the wind is a big deal having a few more guy out points, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of get to that physics part where you have to keep the shelter on the ground and, and the solace does a good job of that. But yeah, to your point for a majority of elk hunting or even high country mule deer hunting, where you, where you do have a little bit more shelter, or a little bit more opportunities to, um, different scenarios where you can set it up that that sky is the way to go. Mm-hmm yeah, yeah that makes good options.
0: sense yeah so like the majority of hunts that you're going on are going to be like above timberline like not around trees so you're trying to camp in the rocks not much shelter from the wind to where yeah. the sky or doesn't work it it blow away or you know it just doesn't ground yeah. in where yeah mule deer hunting we have so much lightning and even though we're hunting super extreme terrain that we end up camping down in the trees more so than on those ridge lines or on that exposure so that makes total sense again it's the right gear for the right job and a lot of it comes down to personal preference too mm-hmm. is yeah. a lot of guys don't want a bivy tent they want a double wall tent design they want it four season more tie downs you know they want the like the bomb proof shelter not that the sky is isn't a bomb-proof shelter, but you just have to work with it a little bit more. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, you're comparing a three-season to a four-season exactly, shelter. So yeah. if you're in a spot where, yeah, you might see ten, twelve inches of snow in September, and we do have those places in Montana, and and then you kind of have to take the, you have to weigh that out. It might be beautiful. It might be eighty degrees every day you're up there. <laughs> might yeah. not be. Right. So. Yeah gonna have to figure it out
2: yeah the the versatility of this guy though, those so awesome oh man like, and it weighs nothing i mean if you just run the uh just the tent portion it's like four ounces right mm-hmm. and all you need is a stick and a trekking pole and you're mm-hmm. ready to go so i think it's great like sometimes i'll use it just if i'm hunting like antelope from my truck right like just go pitch it out on the ground and, and go take a nap in, and it. it's just an easy piece to set up but yeah i mean it's all about different hunting styles versatility and i think you Know we have a, a tent or a sleep system kind of that works for everybody across all those systems, and um, I mean, even our sky dome, which is a giant, giant six person tent. You know, that's like a late season tent you can put a sleep or a stove jack in for warmth. Which you know, we we don't have a teepee or anything like that, which a lot of guys love, but yeah, just about that versatility and giving guys the options to you know, whatever's going to fit your hunt, we probably have a shelter that's going to work for you, yeah, you absolutely yeah. do yeah. for
0: sure. Well, and that's where that. Um, you know, I use that the four season like uh, New Zealand pouring down rain where you're going to be in that you know where we're camping above timberline in that yep. pouring down rain or like you say elk season when I'm coming into a big rainstorm or a big snowstorm that's when I pull out that tent I know that it's just bomb proof that I can yep. survive anything out there yep. but I'm such a minimalist and love sleeping in the <laughs> dirt so much that <laughs> I, a lot of times I take that sky air and you're right that's what's so nice about the modular system right is that you can go for four ounces yeah. and then and, you know, if you're in a different spot where you're going to have um, uh, spiders or you're going to have snakes or something like that, you can put the floor in it and yep. then you're fine. Like even mosquitoes, it's kind of nice to seal that thing off if you're yep. not real early in August from mosquitoes. And so, yeah, there's just a different need and and – like for all of these different hunts and it's nice to be able to add and take away whatever you need, the, the vestibule to keep your gear dry, you yep. know, is so nice if it's going to rain, but if it's going to be really nice, I don't yeah. need it. I'll right. just set my uh, pack out against the tree. So yep. yeah, man works so good.
2: Yeah. And I mean at, at a weight, you know, less than a pound and a half all in, like you can take all the pieces with you. And if you're like, Oh, it is going to rain tonight, clip your vestibule in or if you do have bugs, click your uh, mesh insert in. So yeah, you just get a lot of versatility out that shelter. It's, Definitely one of our most popular selling shelters. Uh, It's also got a nice price point, right? Like you're not breaking the bank to get Mm -hmm. into something that has that versatility. Um, We just released that tarp too. I don't know if we got, got you one of those to run yet, but we have a lightweight tarp which allows you a lot of the same kind of um, just options and, and creativity, if you will, and building shelters out there. It's like your little kid in your backyard again, like building <laughs> forts, you know, like how oh, I could like lean it up over here, put it over there and, and make a glassing shelter out of it. So yeah, it's just, man, it's all about versatility.
0: When you get good at it to where then you can just sleep in an elk bed, like so right. much of this high yeah. altitude hunting, whether it's, you know, elk, there's usually spots to sleep, but a lot of these mule deer spots that I'm going, like sometimes you know, there isn't a, a a big enough spot to set my tent. You know, the whole day I haven't even seen a flat spot that I can camp on that's safe. So to be yeah. able to scratch out like a small little piece of dirt, whether it's a deer bed or a yeah. semi flat spot, and then be able to set it up and sleep there is a game changer for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
2: for sure. Those are great. And that's what's cool about that solace too, is like um, one of the things in the way Kurt designed, and he'll probably speak to it better, I can, but it's all about, again, like, being able to set that up in tight spaces and having that confidence that you have a solid shelter, put a vestibule out, two vestibules out, or suck them both in and you get a really small footprint. Um, And a lot of those bigger late season tents, you just, you can't find a place to put them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a guy like Kurt, who's always out there late season, you know, trouncing around, it's, it's hard to find a spot to put up your tent. And so this guy gives you a lot more versatility in that too.
0: Oh man. Yeah. It's so well thought out too. Uh, like just with the, the vents and the the, the guidelines and the uh, staking places where you stake it, where everything gets super taut. Like it's one of the best thought out tents that I've ever used. I can tell that you put a bunch of time and effort into making sure that it was designed perfectly for you. And that that wintertime man it takes a different kind of toughness when you're hunting in that snow and that cold and mm-hmm. you got to have a shelter that um, will get rid of that condensation you got to have a shelter that you know you can withstand those windstorms like here in Montana you know if you're camping up at that high altitude or anywhere in the lower 48 really like you may see 70 mile an hour winds like you got to be ready for that and make sure that your stuff's all tied down
1: yep yeah no that's exactly it and and kind of to your point, and you, you mentioned it with the Sky Air, um, just the education of making sure that it's set up because you have these you have these small anything from a pound to four pounds of lightweight fabric with a huge amount of, of square footage. <laughs> and it can easily become a kite if it's not set up correctly, <laughs> Yes. whether you're in it or not. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that education portion. But once you have them set up, man, they are tough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, and it just uh, allows us to hunt some more remote countries. So, what are some of the late season hunts that you're doing, Kurt? That you're using that tent?
1: Um, primarily elk hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, during the late season, uh, mostly elevations between you know right around seven to eight thousand feet mm-hmm. most of the time. And and like Lyle was saying, it's it's really nice even when you get deep snow, and it's actually easier when you get deep snow because if you get a foot, foot and a half of snow, all you need is a very small level spot or just something wide enough to set it up. And you can stomp that snow out over the course of, you know, stomp it out, leave it for 10 minutes, let it set, come back, expand it out. And you can have a camping spot right at your glassing spot at dark if you need it. So it's really versatile that way for the late season. And then, um, and you can do the same thing with the sky air. I mean, that, that was, that was the concept behind the solace is to come up with a, uh, a, a double wall, four season tent that you can set up and will function in the same spots that a bivy will. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's kind of where we ended up. So yeah, I was really happy with how that worked
0: out so much more comfortable than a bivy. A bivy is just like, <laughs> it is miserable. Like, it's great if you got nice sunny weather, but the moment that you get any storms or anything, it, it turns into a suffer fest with a bivy sack. Yeah, I've, been, yeah. I've been caught out a few times with those things for sure, yeah. Well, it's,
2: it's even small things like in the Solus you can sit up in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, put your clothes on. It's so much easier. It's such yeah. a game changer <laughs> right? to be able to yeah. sit
0: up and put your clothes on. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, drink hot coffee in there. Like, it's just so much easier yeah. than a lot of the bivvies where you gotta lay down
1: when you're in them especially especially in late november i mean when you think about how early it's getting dark and how late it's getting light yep i mean you don't have anything to do for 12 hours if you're laying in a bivy for 12 hours that's a lot man that's nice to have a little bit
0: yeah i end up hunting muleys a lot like during november and december and um you know whether that's badlands or breaks or big Mm -hmm. mountains or wherever they'll give me a tag to go bow them. but i it is such a unique experience to be able to hunt late season elk. And I, I've fallen in love with the bow and getting close and that's my world. But, um, I learned so much like hunting late season bulls with my rifle around here. Like, yeah. uh uh, you know, it's it's like general season, so there's guys out, there's hunting pressure, uh, but it's the snow and the cold takes a different kind of toughness, and then you just have to put these miles on and the snow and the cold, and then uh, those master vantage points are so tough to sit at. Like you say, it's dark for so long, so when you're hunting by yourself, I mean, when it's dark at five, six o'clock and you're not ready to go to bed, like you've got three, four hours of just sitting by yourself, or you may have 12 or 14 hours before the lights come on again. And, yeah. and And then you just have to make so good on those morning and evening hunts trying to make sure that you're in the the right spots at the right time but man i learned so much hunting late season bulls about hunting all species really but especially about hunting elk and i i think it's something that everybody should go experience once in their life at least
1: yeah i agree i i love it It, i I think it's it's one of the tougher hunts to do in montana and be successful on mature bulls they um Consistently, Mm -hmm. there's only a few guys I know of that are are consistent doing it in late November and they're animals. Uh, but I think the coolest thing about it is that when you are able to find them, it's typically kind of a drawn out hunt because you'll either spot them in the morning and spend all day trying to piece it together, how you're going to go find them, it's, it's a lot like sheep hunting or goat hunting where it hasn't happened for me ever. In the late season, where you just bump into something and shoot it, and it's over within seconds. That's typically. I mean, and that hasn't happened to me. I know it does happen, but I. I think I like that part of it. That's almost like a chess match. You have to move from spot to spot. You have to put the whole hunt together once you spot them. Um, Yeah, that. I that that's one of the things I really like.
0: It's really well said. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it is drawn out. Like you get you get the full experience out of it. There's not many times that you're hunting for a mature six-point bull in the late season, and you're not going to get the full winter experience, (laughs) you know? You're going to have to put your days in. Like you say, it's not going to come together on day one, two, or three. Like, a lot of times, these hunts, like, even... You know, bear hunting for me is uh, a, with a bow and arrow in Montana, spot and stock, it's one of the toughest species to hunt just because there's less of them than there are ungulates. And especially when you're hunting for a big mature boar. And so I've got to put day after day in, like it's, it's a bit of a grind. And I think that's what I like about it. You know, it's like, I'm 10, 12 days in and, uh, my buddy killed a good bear about a week ago, but yeah, I'm, I'm yet to get my chance on a big boar and I'll, you know, there's some years that I have 30, 40 days in before it's all said and done. And I like that. Like when it all comes together, it means so much and you sure get the full experience out of the hunt. So there's definitely something to be said for that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you're just getting back from... um, Bear hunting, uh, he, a special place he, in Alaska, he, he, man. Yeah. It looks like so much fun. Yeah. yeah I was watching yeah. some videos yeah. before we sat down and saw a picture of your bear, Lyle, man. Yeah. Great work. How was that experience? Uh,
2: it was cool. We are, um, up in Prince of Wales. Um, oh, cool. so we'd been putting in, uh, it took us, I think three years to draw the tag. Oh, wow. Finally pulled it. It's not a super, not a super hard tag, but not like you're not going to get it every year. Um, yeah, we have a couple buddies that live up there, f- real familiar with the area. And they said, Hey, put in come up with us one of them's uh, got a boat which is like very prime if you're hunting that area you can mm-hmm. definitely do it from their road system but a boat just opens up so much more access along those beaches and stuff and um yeah we're up uh, up there we were there for 10 days um shot four bears uh three of them with archery equipment um three of them we called in uh couple of them super close. So it's going to be some great content. Everybody's going to be, I think, really excited when they watch that film. But um, yeah, epic. Um, Zach in our office is just becoming like the ultimate predator bear caller, man. Like if there's a bear in the woods, he's going to get it to come over and check you out. Um, so definitely like a little bit of a rush when those bears come in. Uh, a couple of them came in pretty hot and fast, which was super exciting. But um, yeah it was cool i uh, I was telling you I, I kind of felt bad because I didn't call mine in but uh just snuck down the beach and was able to find a really nice boar and and make a good shot on him and um when I originally first shot like it was a little bit of a a weird angle um after we looked on camera like because we could just see you know kind of the top half of the bear and he's feeding um, right to left and shot and I was like oh that shot looked a little bit back and uh, our other buddy was back in the skiff, kind of watching the whole thing. He dropped us off, and we snuck around, and he came racing over. He's like, oh, man, you smoked him. And I was like, ah, oh, man, it looked back to me. And he's like, no, it was perfect. And shoot went 10 yards into the trees, and he was piled up right there. So it was a great shot. But, yeah, epic experience. The bears are way bigger than any of the bears we have here in Montana. So. I know,
0: those coastal bears. <laughs> yeah, I'm so yeah. jealous. It was so fun to watch, like, um, some of the videos. Yeah, I watched the one bear shot. And I, I don't know, it didn't look any further than five yards away, and yeah. it came in quick, and he shot that thing. And then, yep. yeah, I was able to watch your shot. Yeah, it was a great shot. And I always like to hit Bears middle-middle, too. It's yep. like I don't like to be close to that shoulder on Bears. Yep. is um I think it can get in front of the vitals pretty easily on yep. Bears. So I definitely like to be back a little bit. But, yeah, yep. shot looked money on there. um Yeah, man, it's so fun. They're so big up there. Yours was all haired up. Oh, Such unreal. a trophy. That's like – um definitely on my bucket list i want to get up and hunt those grass flats and hunt those you know, alaskan bears and yeah i think you said like three of the skulls went 20 inches which is yeah. an absolute dream bear yeah.
2: yeah they were big i like mine was um a little over 19 which i was like jacked on you know and then we yeah measured the other ones on the boat and then we you know obviously had to check them in and we got an official you know score and yeah they're all giant but it, it was funny because i'm i'm typically about opportunities like i don't need to Kill the biggest anything. I just enjoy being out there and getting opportunities. So the first few bears we rolled up on uh, were like six and a half foot bears, and I was like, "Yeah, hey, game on, let's do it." And they're like, "No, that one's too small." i was like too small. <laughs> "What do you mean?" You know, and yeah, like totally. uh, you see a lot of bears, so you get you do get a lot of opportunities, and um, I wouldn't say it's easy by any means. Like you definitely you know need to put your stocking socks on and like get the wind right because those bears like they'll kind of we call it bulldogging, but they'll do this thing where they like feed, but they were looking at you out of the corner of their eye and they're kind of watching you the whole time mm. and so when you start to get in their like comfort zone man you have to really be careful but um pretty easy to get into that like 80 yards but getting that last like 30 yards to get kind of the shot you want like definitely gets pretty uh pretty tight but yeah we're seeing bears everywhere the first few days and um we had split up in two groups and uh our group we were just killing it man we're seeing bears we're like high five we're having we're like just doing stocks to like do stocks you know and uh and uh, Zach and our other buddy, Jesse were together. They hadn't seen any bears. (laughs) (laughs) We got back to the boat that first night and we were like, Oh man, that was awesome. You know, know, did three stocks, Uh, one bear. We just stocked it for fun. And they're like, Oh, we didn't even see any bears. And we're like, Oh man. then we went out the next day and, uh, same thing they didn't see any bears we saw uh within this one like half mile stretch of this beach there was four different bears on it and we stocked two of those four so we were just having a good time and got back to the boat and they're like oh we saw one bear today and i was like no way <laughs> so then they were like feeling discouraged and like oh we should move to a new spot and i was like i don't know if i want to move to a new spot but we did and we ended up it ended up being a better spot but mm-hmm. yeah, and it was an epic epic trip so yeah i recommend it to anyone if you have to gumption to go do it. Man, that is so
0: awesome. Yep. There's like there's nothing better than action is there like whatever you're hunting whatever you're targeting you just get these magic days it's almost yep. like lightning in a bottle and it's yep. so funny that you guys are hunting prince of wales you mm-hmm. had the most epic days of bear hunting you could have in in two days yeah and then you know your other crew of guys that are uh really good hunters and hunting the same type of terrain in the same good country you know hardly yep. saw a bear and so Well, you you sure got to take advantage of that when you get in that action. Like, I think that's the time you kill bulls or that's the time you kill bucks or bears or whatever it is. And that night that we killed Dan's bear, we saw a sow and two cub grizz. And then we saw three black bears that night where any night you're seeing three black bears is a dang good night in Montana. But it's just almost magic when you get that action and you have that excitement and you're making stocks and making plays. Like, um, I I think that's one of the things I love most about like backcountry hunting. Yeah. yeah yeah it was it
2: was cool like um you know we're cruising around on the skiff checking beach to beach and it felt a lot like um like archery antelope hunting in montana right like you spent a lot of time just driving around trying to find something and that's kind of what it felt like where you have those days where you you know you can't not turn up an antelope when you throw your binos up that's what it was like and so yeah we were having a great time but i don't think those guys enjoyed those first two days as much as <laughs> we did well, it can but. be
0: timing too, right? Is like you can oh, go hunt the best unit in the in the country for something. But boy, if your timing is off where you yeah. don't quite, quite time the muley rut, maybe you show up in late October and they're not staging for the rut yet. Or sometimes the seasons can just be off, you know, where yeah. they start a little bit later. That, that elk rut will sure like... Uh, uh, ebb and flow you know it's like um, you know you'll be in one spot and it'll be red hot and you know you go check a different spot and the bulls won't even be with the cows it's a, it's such a ebb and flow but it's such timing on these hunts and then Also, like hunting, a lot of the spots were, you know, like they're on Prince of Wales. You don't have to worry about too much hunting pressure. Maybe you do. I don't know. But as far as like here too, it's timing the hunting pressure. And so like on a lot of these early season mule deer hunts, it's gotten really popular. When I first started, there wasn't many guys doing it. Well, now like instead of going opening week, I'll let everybody go that first week and then I'll schedule my time for the second week and the mountains are cleared out. There's nobody there. I have it all to myself. And so there's, there's so much with modern day and age of hunting now where it's just trying to time, whether that's the rod or the hunting pressure, but boy, when you get your timing right and you find magic, it's all worth it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what we're always looking for. That's it. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of it is, it is timing and, um, we, we, this was my first time on Prince of Wales, and so uh, the guys thought there was definitely more people out just generally hunting than, okay. than years past. But um, but yeah, compared to like what you see in Montana, there's there's a lot of barriers to hunt that, right? Like, gotta have a boat. Traditionally, they don't rent any boats on the island because. You know, guys aren't good with boats if they're not used to them. The tides are, are pretty dramatic. I mean, they're coming in and out, and they're, you know, it's it's dropping pretty significantly. The
0: ocean is gnarly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an ocean guy. So when we got there, I was like, oh, just don't fall in the water a while. Uh, yeah. you, know, you can do it. Stay in the
2: middle of the boat. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys will, you know, we heard stories of guys tying their skiff off and then the ocean going down and their skiff's on a cliff, right? And boat tips off, ruins a boat. Like, there's a oh, lot man. of things that can go bad when you're out there in the water, and um, but yeah, I think, you know, we, we were joking too. Cause like, we didn't really have a lot of expectations, you know, like my, our group, we were kind of like the fun loving, like, let's just go get it guys. And, uh, I think sometimes just positive attitude is the biggest changer, right? Like when it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, like having that positive attitude is something that you want to keep up. Um, I had a U- Utah elk tag two years ago went down uh was kind of limited on time could only go early didn't see a single elk for seven days you know and I was like what the heck you know and it wasn't a premium tag it was a tougher tag but I was like I'll turn up an elk like I'll get out and hike around like we'll find him man hiked my butt off and never saw an elk saw some giant mule deer had my son with me great trip like still talk about how awesome it was but man we never even laid an eye on an elk you know um I take that back we saw some cows but no bulls but I was like, holy cow! What a discouraging thing to do. <laughs>
0: well, you know, it's like part of the challenge with this um, public land hunting is you have to take chances, and you have to take chances on units, and um, yep. you know they don't all work out. Like right. you do your research and you crunch the numbers and you find the country that fits your style of hunting and you yep. go all in on a place, but yep. you know a lot of these places it's the first time I've ever been there, and I don't have somebody suggesting I go anywhere. Like it's all right. done through my own research. So yeah, I strike out now and again, but yeah. I think that's like an important part that you bring up Lyle is like just your attitude with things and you you harvest a few animals and then you know you start to realize that the enjoyments in the journey the enjoyments in the adventure that you're having the enjoyments like being able to be there and be present and being able to challenge yourself physically and mentally and so. Like when you, when you, it doesn't have to be great hunting to have a great attitude. Like yeah. if you just have this good attitude, um, you you just take it in as it comes. You enjoy the experience. It seems like. Maybe in my younger years, I I was so driven to succeed and get an arrow in an animal that I almost pushed too hard to where now I've just got confidence in my skills and my abilities, confidence to be able to find animals where I can just relax a little bit more, take in the experience. And I'm still pushing hard. I'm still trying to arrow an animal. I'm still doing everything in my power to try to find one. Um, But, yeah, I just – I'm able to let it come to me and there's just more six points and more giant bucks that die because of it. Just because (laughs) I just let it come. Do you find that as well? Like when you're, when you're hunting, like letting things unfold and taking it as it comes and definitely a positive attitude, right? Any successful hunter has a positive attitude.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that that's really well said. Um, As I've gotten older, I think just having opportunity to go, Just, uh, we know when, when you're raising family and you have young kids and work and there ends up being certain falls where things just don't line up where you can go that much. And, and I think those types of times changed my priorities a little bit to where I just wished that I had more time to go and be in the mountains and filling the tag that, that would have just been icing on the cake if you Mm -hmm. could have done that. And, and then as I've continued to get a little bit older, I think that actually filling the tag means less. And I don't know if that just being out means more. And, and then now that my kids are old enough to hunt now that's even taken that next step and I'm every bit as passionate about going every bit as passionate about, you know, wanting to be successful, but, but I, I don't quantify the hunt based on whether or not you're successful. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's just come with age.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's like maturing, right? I think it's all of yeah. us. Like, it, uh, we yeah. are just maturing. It's it, You're right. It's the experience. It's the adventure. That's what you remember. And some of my, unsuccessful hunts are some of my most memorable and my favorite hunts out there, you know, just being able to grind for 10, 12, 14 days to try to harvest an animal. Like those are some of my most memorable times. And it's also like, it's being present when you get the time, like when you have so many responsibilities, it's easy to be even on an epic black bear hunt and be thinking about your phone or your emails or your family or your responsibilities that you maybe didn't take care of to where, you know, now when I get the time, I've made sure that I've taken care of my responsibility. I made sure that, you know, people know that I'm gone. My family supports me. I know that everybody's okay. Like I don't have to worry about things. Like so much of this is just like being in the present moment and being able to enjoy it and not inside our own heads. And I think, you know, that comes through working at it and also maturity as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, that re-entry we always joke is sometimes not worth the effort of going you <laughs> oh my know? gosh right the re-entry or the like
0: trying to get ready to go is so stressful yeah. before you Uh-oh. leave on a trip
2: right yeah i mean you spend a lot of time packing repacking but doing things like yeah did did i get all my work done so that i'm not hosing the guys that are still here and you know is my family set up okay you know what if something happens or how are they supported so yeah there's just a lot racing through your mind and you know my wife's super awesome she she's pretty much down with everything but she's always like oh you're going hunting for work and i was like hey like this is like legitimately work <laughs> you know and like I, I think there's this kind of perception of like like yes it is a good time and and Yes, we are hunting, but you know, the majority of the stuff we're doing, like we're making content, we're filming. So there's like a different expectation, right? Like you want to be successful. I mean, you know, for me personally, like I don't, again, like like Kurt said, I don't value the quality of the hunt on if we got a killer or not, but unfortunately YouTube sometimes does, right? And so, <laughs> right? so like you're trying to really make sure that you're successful because obviously it's an investment, right? Like uh, time, money, you know, to go and do these things. Plus we're testing new products on this last trip. So there was a lot of effort around... You know, are we getting the right data to support, you know, the product and Kurt? And so there's just a lot of things going on. And so, yeah, when people are like, oh, you're going on a hunting trip, I'm like, man, this is work. Like, it's actually pretty stressful. We have a giant shot list that we go through, you know, mm-hmm. while we're out there checking boxes every night. We have a meeting, like, what did we get today? What did we not get? Like, did we get it? And then we watch it like, ah, oh, man, that's close. But like, tomorrow, let's try to get this. And, and so, like, it's a little bit stressful, too, while you're out there to ensure that, like, yeah, we got all the boxes checked. But... Um, and then sometimes it's super easy. Like again, the bear hunt, like it, it went way better than we expected it was. And you're like, Oh, check, 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 check. check." (laughs) (laughs) All right. What are we going to do now? Right. Um, but yeah, so like we always joke that, yeah, like people always say you must have the best job ever and they're pretty awesome, but there's definitely a level of stress that comes with having these jobs that
0: people don't always, I think, understand. Yes, for sure. Yeah, Um, yeah, I know it's like, uh, You know and i have to mix and match the hunts that i film and the hunts that i don't so that i can still enjoy it to the fullest and sure. i don't lose my mind because there is more stress on your shoulders when you're trying to film and i know mm-hmm. you know eastman's fit in the bill for a cameraman and um, you know they're not cheap per day and yeah. you know there's a lot of stress and pressure and to try to build a film around a public land do-it-yourself bow hunt is so extremely difficult you know yeah. where i'm just not going to be successful 100 percent of the time but i have to give it my absolute all so Yeah, I, I do like you feel the stress a bit at times or the pressure a bit and, um, but you know, it's like you say, it's the, the best job in the world. Like I yeah. I can't complain too much for sure. And then it's just for me, it's mixing and matching in the enjoyment. Cause my love is for bow hunting. And right. so, you know, I can't lose that or lose that passion for it. And so, yeah, I do about half and half, I'd say, you know, yeah, we, <laughs>
2: we do good, good with that too. We, I mean, We definitely draw tags or do things. And you know, for us, like the majority of our content is based off of product needs, right? Like, what do we need to highlight? What do we need to test? What new products that we have coming out that we need to, you know, filter into these trips to make sure that we're, you know, highlighting the product, being able to do any final testing, things like that. But yeah, we'll, we'll get really cool hunts that nobody ever knows about. Right. And Mm -hmm. we'll go do them. And it's, those are the ones that oftentimes are like the super cool, special ones. We're like, man, that was really awesome. I'm glad we did that. And, uh, it's, pretty dang easy to wake up and just go hunting and not be like oh it's a camera guy ready who's got the shot list oh my (laughs) gosh that's that's a
0: mistake i made for the first 10 years of filming are you kidding me (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. just uh just hunting yeah yeah. for sure no uh it is but it's so fun when you capture it and you're able to tell the story to like uh you know the people that follow stone glacier but also family and friends and you're able to build this film that really showcases this adventure you had in the mountains like that's something we'll have forever you know and so like when you capture it and it comes together it's pretty fulfilling but you do have to be really committed to the film like for me it's more committed to the film than I am committed to killing an animal like you have to make sure that you're checking all your boxes and get you know capturing everything and the essence of the hunt Um, but it is fun when it comes together and you're able to edit it together and you guys put out some amazing films man yeah the bear film that you Mm -hmm. put out last year uh, that Zax so talented i see him racing around every once in a while I see him during hunting season and he's usually getting back for a hunt or going on one or helping with the pack out like that guy keeps so busy um you know all your guys really but um yeah i mean it shows in your guys' films that are so next level
2: yeah we we always like um well, we feel like we have some of the best content men, that's what we call them, uh, mm-hmm. in the business. It, you do. It, it takes like a special guy to keep up with long-legged curtain over here, right? Like not everybody, not every cameraman has the ability to do that or des- the desire to like go sleep in a tent, you know, when it's negative five outside, mm-hmm. you know, most of them don't want to do that. So you have to have the right guy that will do that and, you know, be physically, mentally in shape. Like it it's a lot to ask of them to do that. and. We've definitely had some guys quit, like on the job. What what are you doing? You know, they're like, "I just can't do this." And you're like, "What the heck?" Like, uh, and we always joke. Like, a lot of it, I think, is mental because I'm not like the most fit guy. I work out whatever. Uh, Chubby athletic is kind of (laughs) like. But like, you know, it's just being able to like grind constantly. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, we make those bear films. We call them the the Savage Access series. It's Mm -hmm. pretty much Zach picking the worst spot on a map where we think there might be some bears and then me and Ryan rolling ourselves up the hill into it, you know? And like, <laughs> and it's, it's awesome. Like we love pushing ourselves. We love that content, but we wouldn't be able to make that with somebody that's not Zach, you know, uh, no. Sam Everett probably could do it, but not every cameraman is going to be able to go do that. So yeah, it's just so different. It's just so different. Just yeah. so different. Yeah.
0: Like Kurt, your reputation precedes you. Like, um, yeah, I hear you're an animal in the mountains for sure. And, um, I, I definitely have the same issue. You, I think you're right. I think it is mental. I've had like, uh, I have quite a few cameramen that have quit and some that have quit on the job some that have been picked up from a different state so they didn't have to hike with me anymore you know (laughs) so like uh, but it's when you find the right guy it's just like they just have to want it as bad as I want or they have to want to get the content want to be part of the team and you do find the right guys that uh, fit the bill but boy it's tough to find somebody that's got the grit of a backcountry hunter that's been working 25 years to build this toughness and this you know this ability to be able to grind out a hunt and to put in effort day after day and to yep. keep up mentally like that's a big ass for guys and then you know they're get, getting paid per day and pretty soon they're looking at their watch like five six days like man i think i'm good i think yeah. i got my check here <laughs> i think we got everything we need it's yeah. like no we're not done we're until not done. uh yeah until the bell sounds but yeah. yeah it's um the the mountains like uh it it takes I think it's what we all love about it is it does take a toughness and a grit and a tenacity to be able to hunt these extreme places and it's not easy even when we're in really good shape it's yep. still you have to tap into to your to the dark places of your mind to be able yep. to continue to push and keep up do you find that like so you know, I don't get the – I've been on a, a, a goat hunt, a couple goat hunts. Like I drew a tag in 2013. My dad drew a tag in fourteen. I really liked hunting that extreme country. Like that was really fun. I haven't had the chance to go on a sheep hunt. Um, but, you know, I get like the – I feel like I get the essence of these hunts with some of the tougher high country mule deer hunts, like the coos deer hunts, uh, just all the different experiences that I've had. Himalayan tar in the Southern Alps was really fun, really extreme terrain. But that's got to be like um, these sheep and goat hunts for you, Kurt, like the ones that you've been on. Like these have to... Uh, these are like the pinnacle of hunts in the most extreme terrain. Like, they surely have to take such toughness, like, to even push you, like, everyone you go on has to be like, okay, here we go. We're in for it again. Like, uh, it's got to be really fun to embark on those hunts, huh?
1: It is. It is. And I think that's what draws so many people to it. When, when you look at the number of people, you know, those aspirational hunts of sheep hunts or you know goat hunts as well it just takes you into a into country that you typically wouldn't be there if you're not an alpine mountaineer that isn't your game you're not going to spend much time there and of course there is elk hunting that can that can end up in in the fringes of those types of spots but to have something that draws you there specifically for that there aren't too many things and so you get to experience some areas that typically aren't many people around. Um, and there are also areas that I think they challenge you as much men- as much or more mentally than physically. Because there's, there's kind of a, when you go in in, a, in an area like this, there's a whole program that you have to put together. You have to figure out where you're going to be camping, where you're going to be glassing from, where you're going to find water. In my experience, typically haven't been very successful if you don't have your whole program dialed in. know, for when I go in the fall, it's typically 10 to 14 days and I try to have every day mapped out where I'm going to camp, where I'm going to look for water, where I'm going to glass from, where do I think the animals are going to be and how you're going to cover the country. So you, it ends up being a a large process opposed to just saying, I'm going to go hunt this drainage today and know that you're only a day from the truck. So I, I think that that's. That's the fun part for me is Is that it takes more effort, in, in my opinion, to put a successful program together. And then the other side of it, too, is that once you have that set together and you're going to cover an area, set of drainages, whatever your plan might be, I find a lot of fulfillment, success in just covering it the way that I, I had planned to. Even if I don't find what I was hoping to find... I know that I did everything I set out on my plan. And when I'm back at the trailhead, I'm like, okay, I can check that one off the list, move to the next spot. So I, I don't know. I, th- I I think it's just that whole game, um, from start to finish that, that draws you into that upper area.
0: Mm, man. Um, yeah, the same way I feel like you're designing gear for me. I, you're really talking to like what I enjoy about hunting. Yeah. It's, um, like carrying everything you need in your backpack on a mountain hunt like that is like the purest form of hunting you can do just because you're so removed from civilization, you feel like you're on your own back there. And then, you know, just like you talked about the logistics and you know these these mule deer they don't need water every day they can get it from the dew of the grass and so a lot of my best spots there's not a lot of water there where you're maybe hiking in and you've only got 50 ounces of water and you know that you have to find water somewhere or you're going to have to drop 2000 feet to get it and um yeah you almost have to take care of yourself first and then the animals come second and um and then just the to be able to cover the mountains effectively and efficiently like you're talking about and we're not talking about hiking up 3 miles up a drainage to go look at it you know you're talking about tens of miles and thousands of feet of elevation and being able to move mountain ranges and then to be able to dial it in like you say like for mule deer it's so like glassing in the grain a country finding those master vantage points that nobody else is finding or maybe having to dive off the mountain so then you can look at the mountain and get the entirety of it so you can keep track of them and make these plays and make these stocks up there man that's like um that is the fun part about hunting in general. It's like the most extreme version of it, I think, like when you have to backpack, and I can see like like why the the company does so well and the direction does so well, is that's your guys' love, is like the same love that I have, like covering this extreme country. And the gear makes such a difference. It's like to be able to have the gear that we have nowadays, it's like the the generations that came before us, Man, you talk about toughness like, um, you know, now I'm able to have this gear system for the early season, for the late season, where I have all these different layers that I can throw on with every different, you know, weather I'm going to come up against. And I know that I'm going to be okay and be able to survive. I know that I've got your shelter to come back to that I can sleep at night. Um, you know I know that I've got your sleeping bags which are great by the way like the sleeping bags are like true to their rating I've never found that with the sleeping bag usually I have to give it 10 to 15 degrees on the rating your guyss are right down to the to the rating but to be able to have all this quality gear and to be able to have it lightweight nowadays where you can travel where I can do 10 days with 45 pounds on my back or 40 pounds on my back um, is just amazing and it makes me more effective in the mountains and so that that's why these gear offerings are so important and why you guys spend so much time in your R&D and so much time trying to build the right pieces because it makes such a difference in your effectiveness in the mountains, doesn't it? Yeah. It, oh, yeah, for
2: sure. 100%. I mean, we we talk about uh, our, our product development all the time. And, like, we're pretty fortunate. Like, we don't really have to rush products to the market, right? Like, we can definitely spend time developing them, things like that. Like, our gators, we... And that was a three-and-a-half-year project before we were, like, satisfied. Like, yes, we'll take those to market. Same sleeping bags, like – that was a good two years of, of straight testing to make sure that those things were what we wanted them to be. But yeah, I mean, I think there's there's kind of this urgency when you, you sell products to like have to come out with X amount of new products every year. And for us, we try to do things just a little bit more organically and like, Hey, what do we, what do we need to improve on? What are some of the issues we've been having that, that nobody solved from the gear side and how do we go about solving those? But yeah, I mean, sleep systems are huge. And I mean, you touched on it, sleeping bag rating. Like when we started looking at how to build a sleeping bag, we you know got a bunch of bags and we're testing them and we're looking at the ratings and like none of it really seems to make any sense to us and everything is like a different number than what it's rated at and we're like man like how do we do this so you know we got to the root of it and there's just a couple facilities that will actually give you your your ratings and then we got the numbers back and we're like man i think a lot of brands would call it you know x but we're gonna say it's what it really is right and i think you know it's just the kind of like that truth in advertising yeah, right like transparency yeah like this is how we did it and this is how we got the data and this is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to, you know, pull the wool over anybody's eyes on, on what these things are. It's just, we want these products to work because at the end of the day, we're the end user too, right? Like, mm-hmm. And so it's important for us to make sure this stuff's actually performing the way it does out there.
0: It shows. Like to be able to take your time uh, developing gators has got. Uh, we are so tough on gators like that had to be a whole feat in itself to build a pair of gators that would hold up to the abuse we put on them and keep our legs dry yep. like I don't know how many pairs of those things I've blown up or like um, like the sleeping bags like you talk mm-hmm. about like to be able to have a 15 degree bag and trust it to 15 degrees and know the yep. weight of it or a zero degree bag and trust it to zero degrees and then also you guys came out with the quilts um, too like yep. last year I started using that i do so many of these august hunts and that quilt is so good for scouting in july and august hunting in august and eat i can even cheat it early september a bit yeah. uh, it's a 30 degree quilt but it is so lightweight and it's like man it every pound makes a difference when you're backpacking like the weight is the equalizer and yeah. boy to put put another pound or five pounds on my back you couldn't pay me enough money to pack an extra five pound weight in the mountains like it just it puts such a wear on your body you know so that that quilt's a game changer man
2: yeah for sure and um you, you know for us like you know, Kurt was, was using quilts and was really interested in them and they weren't as familiar to, to other guys in the shop. But once we started looking at it and hearing from Kurt on like what he was doing and, and how you use them, we're like, man, like that really makes a lot of sense. And it's just such a versatile piece. I mean, you can run it as more like a, a blanket, you know, um, ours has a foot box in it, in it, which is unique from some of the quilts. So you can still keep your feet warm if you need to, or you can kick a leg out, but yeah. And like the, it packs down tiny, like half the size of an analogy, right? Like you can compress that thing down so small, it's, it's pretty unique, but yeah, just a great product that again, like I think there's a little bit of a learning curve in it. Right. And I mean, we talked about that, it's, you kind of got to understand when you use it, why you would need it. But once you have it, it's a game changer, it saves a lot of space in your backpack, doesn't weigh anything. And yeah, you can really, really get a lot of out of that product.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When we first started down the design path, I'd used quilts and they're, they're, um, there are kind of some different philosophies on quilts, but you definitely see them more in the recreation, trekking, through-hike type uh, user than you did typically on on the hunting side. And so we started to look at some of the reasons why and, and really tried to hone in on building a quilt that would do what a hunter would want to do or what they're used to. And they're used to using a sleeping bag. I mean, most of us are. And so trying to build the quilt with some of the sleeping bag modifications like i said extended foot box so the bottom of it feels like a sleeping bag when you're in it adding extra straps underneath so that you have four straps where you can actually wrap the quilt back around under you in colder conditions and really it sleeps just like a a sleeping bag without a hood on it so being able to have that crossover but then like you said in the early season If it's only getting down to 50 degrees, being able to open it up and use it almost like a flat blanket. So we just tried to focus on a few of those things, put the neck collar in it. Just like we have in our Chilcoot sleeping bags and, and design it specifically how a hunter is going to expect to use it or will be using it. And then it works extremely well. I use it all the way through October, typically, and. Because I'm typically I, I I usually have my Grumman down pants and and Grumman jacket and if you get a dip in temperature now you have those as your base layers and I've I've used it multiple times. Well, last year it was down to 12 degrees at night and yeah you got a little bit on the on the colder side but slept great and I typically sleep cold so. You know, it gives you just a little bit more flexibility when you have those. And now now you have dual-purpose pieces. So kind of back to your original point of designing things for guys that want that minimalist kit, that's one way to do it.
0: Hmm. Well, Kurt, if you're using it through October, I got to get a little bit tougher. I got to use mine <laughs> at least through September. Yeah, it's like, well, and I think it can too. You got a 30 yeah. degree temperature rating on it. Mm-hmm. And I think it can, like you say, I just need it. Again, it comes down to uh, educating ourselves. And I need to, like I do carry my puffy pants and puffy jacket. I need to use those in conjunction with that quilt. And space is such like a a precious commodity when you're backpacking like we don't think about it much you know I talk about weight and um, talk about items but that space in your bag to be able to get everything compressed to your back and tight to your back it's going to carry the weight better it's going to be more comfortable um, just not having this big huge bulky backpack that you know it's just not going to carry the weight the same as a compressed bag a compressed bag is almost going to feel more like a day pack and it's going to move with you so you're right that's so crucial and critical like that's so important as well when you're backpack hunting so yeah i definitely need to play around with mine and um, get a little bit closer to that rating and see yeah. what i can do yeah.
1: yeah well then the other thing i'd throw out to people is if you decide to do that make sure that you rate your pad to that so absolutely and and because that's the key it doesn't matter if you have a quilt and that's the other thing between a quilt and the sleeping bags even if you have a zero degree sleeping bag and you're sleeping on a an r rating of two and it's only 15 degrees you're probably going to get cold in that zero degree sleeping bag i mean it's just the physics of it you have compressed the down that you're going to lay on it you're not going to keep that 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 ground temp from coming up through the pad and you will be cold so that's another part of the whole education piece where it's the entire kit and how the kit works together and making sure that you have have all that information
0: that's spot on, for sure. Well, I got you guys for an hour, so I got just a couple more minutes. Uh, like, is there any of these new products that are coming out that you guys can tell me about that you guys got going on? Oh, man. Um, boy, I, I'd
2: probably have to defer to Kurt on, on how much he shares, but um, we got a fair amount for next year that we're excited about, for right sure. on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good, but I don't know if, Kurt, if you can spill any
0: beans or not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's a, there's a few things that, w- that we'll have uh, coming up. I can't speak to our 2024 products yet, but we are going to have some products that we're going to release, um, here later summer. Right on. Um, and one of them I think is, is more than fair to bring up. Cause I think anybody who's watched any of our videos have seen it in testing for the last two years. And we're going to have a scope cover scope, action cover, uh, for your rifle and a pretty unique design, quick detach, super light under two ounces padded waterproof and so that one we're looking at late summer and then uh, we're going to be adding some colorways and a couple of pieces of gear as well um and we'll update with that because I don't have a time frame on it. So I'd, I'd hate to okay, promise yeah. anything. <laughs> it's not yeah. going to show up.
0: Well, I yeah. got to check out those gators. I know they're probably not new, but mm-hmm. um, it's, I just love when, uh, whenever you guys are coming out with something new or a new piece, because I know that you guys have put it through the ringer. Like I know you guys have thought about it. There's a, a need for it and I know it's going to fit perfectly in my kit. So sure. I'm always so excited when you guys are coming out with new stuff. That's why I had to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good. Yeah. We appreciate people asking. Sometimes I wish we could share more because you're always like, ah, I'm really excited about this and I really want to let the world know, but I got to wait. So yeah, yeah, unfortunately, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's how it rolls, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of the fun part about about working in this space is get to surprise people.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) right. Well, um, you guys, thanks so much for taking the time and jumping on the podcast and sharing information. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Great time. Okay. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Fun conversation with those guys. Um, Super knowledgeable. And uh, they just... um, You know, when guys walk the walk, you can really dive deep into some of these subject matters of, um, uh, mindset and, um, overall approach to the hunt and what we get out of it. I just think there's so much to learn there. And of course, a great podcast where we, um, go over the gear that they offer is I'm a huge fan of Stone Glacier's gear. So, uh, really enjoyed that. Thanks to those guys for taking the time. Uh, thanks to our sponsors for today's podcast, Stone Glacier. Um, also want to thank Forever Barnwood. Uh, black ovis and camel fire so thanks to those guys uh thanks to eastman's for their support Uh, again make sure to go check out that podcast with dan picar and i Uh, it's eastman's bow hunting journal life of a bow hunter and uh, you can search that anywhere where you get podcasts and um, some good episodes on there some good listening information so um check out those things Uh, again the promo code for um black ovis is uh Elevated 10, promo code for um, Eastman's Tag Hub is Brian, and then Brian MDC for the Mule Deer course, so you can check those out. And with that, um, man, just getting some work done here, getting ready for these Western Hunting Summits over with um, Ryan Lampers. So we're going to put on these the next couple weekends. Uh, so I'll be headed over there here shortly and hopefully get some good podcasts as there's some great people showing up, some great speakers. So I'd love to get them on the podcast and do some live recordings. Uh, so I'll bring all my recording gear and get up there and see if we can't record some and, um, put on a good summit. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, bear hunting's just winding down here into the last couple days. Uh, so yeah, I was bear hunting pretty hard. We had, um, Uh, My buddy Dan Heverin had Clint down with him, Clint Casper, who's been on the podcast, and so those two were bear hunting, so uh, helped Clint fill out on a bear Sunday night, uh, big mission way into the backcountry, which was cool, Uh, able to spot this bear and then sent Clint for it, put a perfect arrow through it, and um, man, it was a done deal, packed that thing out uh, late Sunday night, I think we were out at like one in the morning. Um, man, the Grizzlies are sure getting thick over here. Uh, probably set my all-time record for seeing Grizzlies. I think I saw nine of them in a couple days, maybe two, three days, uh, Friday through Sunday. So definitely a bunch of those things around. Bunch of sows and cubs around and um it's getting a bit spooky for sure in these Wyoming and Montana mountains. Um I've never seen so many and a lot of these cubs I'm seeing are just two year old cubs or two to three year old cubs which are gonna be on their own shortly and having cubs of their own and those moms are gonna have other cubs, so like they're really getting thick in these mountain ranges, which um, you know, is it it's uh it's a wild place to hunt, which is neat, which makes for an adventure. But, boy, you sure got to have your head on a swivel and be safe. Like, there's real monsters out there, you know. And so, um, yeah, we're definitely going to have to control their numbers here at some point. But, yeah. Um yeah, always fun to fun to see them at a distance, we'll say. So uh saw some good bears there. And then, um, yeah, deer and elk numbers look okay. I didn't find too many winter kills in my home mountain range. There's like, you know, a couple of them that I ran across. Oh, and ran across a mountain lion too, really close. Like we're in this canyon and uh, hiking up this um, trail that's all washed out like you can't bring horses on or anything you gotta you gotta you can hike it and kind of hike around the washed out spots but hiking this overgrown trail and just come around the corner and down by the river there was a full-size mountain lion down there looked like a pretty big one to me and um, man it jumped that river on a log and then up the other side so quick so that was pretty neat to see that Um you know I I do see mountain lions, like I don't know how many I've seen in my life, maybe 10 or 12, maybe a touch more, touch less. Um, I don't think I saw any last season, um, but definitely see them in different places. But it's a rare sighting for me, so uh, pretty cool to see those things and how they move. And yeah, just wrapping up bear season here, good years. I helped Clint get that bear and then helped Dan get that bear. Both were archery bears, spot and stock, which is always like a feather in the cap there, pretty tough to kill with a bow and arrow and so that was cool uh chase them around didn't get an arrow in one for myself um takes a pretty big bear to get me excited these days but um definitely a few of those things around and you know it comes down to time again just gets so busy here with um, construction and everything else uh trying to manage things but I did get quite a few days out and had some fun and saw some bears and so I really can't complain too loud um yeah, just really looking forward to fall and getting some work done and, um, cutting these legs loose on some adventures. So just trying to make my scouting plan for season and then going to put a hunt together here, uh, with my good buddies in Hawaii, going to make a trip out there for a week or so and, uh, chase some mouflon sheep and some axis deer and things. So that'll be a good getaway. So looking forward to that, that'll come in early July. And, uh, other than that, just trying to get, uh, my body in ripping and shape and um, bow shooting good and uh, get my mind right and go have some adventures this fall. So looking forward to it. So, all right. Well, thanks you guys for tuning in. I sure appreciate the support, the um, reviews um, on iTunes always help and um, share us on social media, at the podcast. I really appreciate that as well. I do need to be a little bit more active on social media as I've gone a bit radio silent here. I've been hunting bears and just keeping super busy. It seems like that's the the first thing that falls off for me. But it is uh, necessary and a good way to connect with everybody. So I need to continue to get some posts out there. So I will get back on social media here. But um, yeah, other than that, just living life to the fullest. So uh, check in with you guys next week.